Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I have to change the subject for a minute. Oh, no. I'm going to just move it away for a Please, second. Please, I'm begging you. I just have to ask you a question. I'm going to have to... I'm gonna One s- more question. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to just say it. I'm leaving, so... This is my last night in Hong Kong. I have a QVC date, and so this is my last chance to really get everything out. What I want to know is when I was at your dinner, you all got up and left. Everyone said, Dreet, you need to get touched up. And you all left at the table. Why? Do you know why? After dinner? Yeah. But we do that after we're but done I mean, with dinner. But I left. I was there sitting by myself. I'm I... going to ask PK why this became such an issue. I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> well, I don't know. Have you ever been at a dinner party where you're sitting there and the entire table gets up? Maybe they you hate you. I'm just I wondering. Mean... <laughs> What are you insinuating is a better question. Okay. Were people doing coke in your bathroom? Oh, come on. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was one of my favorite moments from Lisa Lips Renna on The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. It's been announced this week that after eight seasons, she is leaving the franchise. Lisa Renna is going to be off The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. And this is according to People Magazine. Here's a statement that they released. It said, according to People, after eight seasons of delivering sassy one-liners, drama-filled moments, social media messiness, and (laughs) self-deprecating lip humor... Those are People Magazine's words, lip humor. Rinna is departing the beloved franchise. Uh, and Lisa Rinna says, this is the longest job I've held in my 35-year career. And I am grateful to everyone at Bravo and all those involved in the series. It has been a fun eight-year run, and I'm excited for what's to come. The decision was made as Rinna's contract expired at the end of last season. After weighing her options and business obligations, she and Bravo mutually, mutually is what they say, decided that she would not return to The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. Now, I want to bid lips adieu, and I want to thank her for her services. I do think that she's given us so much great TV, and so I want to thank her, although I think she lost the plot a little bit the last season or two, and so I think it's a good thing that the show has a little bit of a reset. I think Lisa Renna will be back in a couple seasons, but for now, I do think it's good that she's gone, but I will miss her on some level because she was always able to stir the pot. She played the villain role, and uh, so we thank her for all of her services, but she's gone. Baby girl. Yeah. And so much is going on in the Real Houses universe, because not only did Lisa Rinna announce her departure, which I do think that there's more departures coming in the Real Houses of Beverly Hills. My prediction is that Dorit will be demoted. I think they'll add a couple people. Maybe somebody else will be demoted. I mean, who really knows? We'll have to see. We'll have to watch what happens live. But for now, I think that they're, they wanted to give Lisa Rinna the respectful opportunity to announce her exit before they announce others, because she's been with the show for eight years. So they want to say, you have your moment in the sun. 
announcing your departure. And then Dorit can have her moment. Or, I mean, Diana's gone for sure. I mean, I think that's clear that Diana will not be back. But I also think maybe there could be some other shakeup. We'll see. We'll see. But they wanted to give Ellipse the moment in the sun. And uh, now uh, all bets are off. But the contracts are apparently going out because if she knows that she's not coming back, that means the other women got their contracts. So let's see. Let's see. Is Crystal coming back? Is Sutton coming back? Is I think Erica Jane's for sure coming back. I saw TMZ followed her at a TJ Maxx. She was in the parking garage of a TJ Maxx, and they were asking her questions. And she's always at the TJ Maxx. I don't know. Is anyone following that? I mean, I think that must be some sort of legal strategy to show her coming out of that TJ Maxx. God bless, she's a Maxinista like the rest of us. But it just feels like every time I see a paparazzi photo of Bamboozle Jane, she's coming out of a TJ Maxx. And I want to know what's in the bag. At some point, I'm going to need them TMZ cameras to ask her what's in the bag. Because I need to know what is she buying? Is she, what is she shopping for at the Max? Tell me. Show me. Instead, the TMZ workers, which I appreciate their services, but they're just always asking, like, what do you think of Lips leaving the show? Or what do you think of Kathy Hilton? And I want them to say, what's in your fucking bag? Show me what's in the bag. Because I need to know what you're getting at the Max. Uh, anyway, what else is going on in the Beverly Hills? So we're going to find out, I think, soon as to who's coming back, who's not, what else is happening over there in the Bev Hills. Uh, but we also got a lot going on in Salt Lake City, so I, I'm going to have to change the subject for a moment. I have to change the subject for a minute. Change the subject. I'll talk about Jen Shah. She pled she guilty, and she got six Shahirs in prison because that's what happened. Now, I want to get into that, but before I do, I have a, one other big announcement. Everything iconic announcement. Sit tight, little bear, because I'm going on tour again. That's right. I'm going on tour. I have the no, chill. No. I'm going on a three-city tour. It's a very small tour, but <laughs> we're going to be doing three cities. So come see me. I'm going to be in Seattle, Denver, and... Salt Lake City. So you can go to everythingiconic.com. Tickets will be on sale Tuesday local time. But again, Seattle, Denver, and Salt Lake City. Come see me. We're going to do a whole show. If you've ever come to one of my live events, they're really fun. We do, uh, there's like a whole video opening that is so much fun that I save for the live shows because it's a really good time and I want to keep it special for the live shows. But we have a gay old time. So come see me. Again, go to everythingiconic.com. At the top of the page, there'll be a live show link, or I'll also link it on my social media page, so on my Instagram bio, or I'll be posting it on my Twitter as well. But Tuesday, local time, 10 a.m., they will be going on sale. Again, Tuesday, get tickets. I hope and uh, hope that they'll sell out, so get them, prepare for them, come see me. Uh, they will be in April. And then later in the year, I hope to do more dates. But for now, oh, we're doing three cities. So come see me, please get the tickets. And uh, we'll have a gale time. We will laugh. We will giggle. We will chuckle. We will have a gale time. Okay, so let's get into, speaking of Salt Lake City, Jen Shah, you guys. And then we're going to talk about Potomac. We're going to recap that all episode. But for now, we got to talk about Jen Shah. Six and a half years in prison for fraud. She'll be also subject to five years of supervised release once she is free. Uh, it's, she's 49 years old. So that means she'll be out when she's 55 years old, unless sometimes they do those shorter sentences for good behavior. Apparently she's going to be going in uh, Texas. But the thing that was really interesting to me is because I was watching this whole thing unfold and there was this account inner city press on Twitter that was, uh, giving us all the quotes from the judges and the legal people. And one of the things that the judge said to Jen Shah and her team was, does she still have the Justice for Jen Shah merchandise on her website? 
Now, I remember how weird it was when she was merchandising her legal case. It was so strange to me that she was selling t-shirts and stuff that said, Free Jen Shah and Justice for Jen. And it was like, what are you doing? And that came to bite her in the ass because the judge said, do you still have that on your website? And she didn't have it on her website anymore. But I'm like, who is this legal team that didn't stop her from the beginning of having the legal stuff? And then after all this happened, Page Six reported that Jen Shaw went to an Italian uh, restaurant and did a dinner party for 20. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but this is like one of the craziest things I've ever heard in my life. So she's she gets six and a half years in prison for fraud. Okay, plus the five years of supervised release or whatever. Then she decides to celebrate. Now, here's the thing. I understand she's going away. So I I suppose it's like you might as well have some fun before you go away because I think she's going to be going pretty soon. But to go have a a dinner party for 20 at an Italian restaurant, apparently she made everyone not have their phones out. So nobody got pictures. But uh, page six reports that they... Uh, this is what they say in their article. Page six is told that the convicted fraudster and her posse spent the night, <laughs> this is crazy, spent the night eating and drinking on the establishment's second floor. She had two people standing around her table blocking anyone from taking photos, the source spilled. It's unclear whether her husband or her co-stars were with her when in contact of her comment, a spokesperson for Valbella, which is the restaurant, told page six that the venue does not give out client information. I mean, it's so crazy. The insider says she stood in the doorway trying to figure out how to leave without being photographed. Look, she's in New York. It's being reported also that she's going to be doing a sit-down with Andy Cohen. So Andy's going to be asking her all the questions. Uh, She said in the court when she was getting her sentencing that she is still a cast member on the show, which is, I suppose, technically true because the show's still airing. Although we do know that she's not—it's not like they're going to film—what's she going to film when she's in prison? She's not going to film nothing. So Andy's going to milk everything they can out of her before she goes. So he's doing that sit down and it better be three fucking hours. You hear me, Bravo? I need three hours. I need her to be grilled about Heather Gay's fucking eye. I need to know what happened at the Italian restaurant. I need to ask those questions. Let's get three hours out of this. I will sit with my popcorn. I will be ready to watch it as soon as you give it to me. And I'm assuming it's going to be coming either at the end of the reunion or I also thought there was like a week in between the finale airing of Salt Lake and the reunion airing. So I thought maybe they'd fill in the gap there. But then how could they edit and get it to us in time? Let's make it a live interview. How about that? Can we do that? Put it on Peacock or something? Make it a live event. I'll watch it. Pay-per-view even. I'll give you all my money. Just take my credit card info because uh, I sh- Take my credit card info the way those old people gave her the credit card info, and that's why she's going to jail, because I'm ready to watch a live uh, interview with her. Jen Shah. They should have done the live interview at that Italian restaurant. I could have watched her. I could have ordered some mozzarella sticks and watched from home as she ate her mozzarella sticks at the Italian restaurant with 20 of her friends after getting uh, sentenced six and a half years. Six and a half years. And six and a half years, I think with Teresa, they did pause filming. You know, they did those specials where it was like ketchup. I don't know if they'll do that with Jen Shaw because it's a different kind of crime. But how weird was it that Bravo did that where it was like, oh, let's check in with while Joe was taking care of the girls and they did a three episode special or something where Melissa and Joe went over to Joe Giudice's house and was like, hey, how you doing? And they were (laughs) so fucking weird. So I don't know. Maybe they'll end up doing that, but I don't know what happens with the Real House of Salt Lake City going forward. Meredith has said she wants to get Mary back, but then 
Who do we cast? And then do we address this whole thing next season or do we just start fresh? It's like a fresh reboot where we're just not even acknowledging the fact that these women's friend just went to prison for six and a half years. I don't know. Or do we see Heather Gay going up to the jail or prisoner uh, and and sitting down with her and saying, hey, how you doing? Maybe that's a scene. I don't know. I don't know. But it's going to be interesting to see. I love that she went to the Italian restaurant, but she's going shaway. She's and oh, the other thing that in the sentencing too, did you see this part where she said that they wrote Shamazing because they brought up the tagline. And so now these taglines are being used against these women in the courts of law. And so they had said, uh, uh, what's going on? You said Shamazing, you were making light of your court case. And she's like, they wrote that for me. But then I was like, but you were using that fucking Shamazing tagline way before that you used it in an actual tagline in the opening credits before you're holding the snowflake. So she had used it for years, I feel like, before the first season she was saying, I'm Shamazing or Sha this. She was using that fucking Sha thing. And so now they use it against her. So ladies, if you're out there, if you're a housewife, be careful what you're saying and doing on these shows because it will be used against you in the court of law. This is not a game. Don't just, uh, you got to be careful what you're saying and doing. Uh, but the judge was tough. I felt like, and I was only seeing the Twitter updates from this Twitter account. And so I was seeing the judge was saying this and asking this question. And then the legal team was saying this back. But it felt like the vibe I was getting as I was reading it was like the judge was being tough. And the judge, I felt like, wanted her to show more remorse. And then Jen kept bringing up elders in her community. She kept saying, well, my tongue and elders and stuff. And I felt like the judge was not taking that. And I I felt like the judge wanted to see some more remorse from Jen. But maybe I'm wrong. That was just the vibe I got. I was like, why aren't you showing? I felt like the judge was saying, like, I guess I'm mistaking you for someone who gives a damn. You know, in the words of Jewel. We were all mistaken, Jen Shaw, for someone who gave a damn. And then she went over to the uh, pizza place or the Italian restaurant and got some mozzarella sticks right after she was sent in six and a half years. I'm not, that's just not a good but PR. Who's your PR team? Maybe they should have said, maybe don't head on over to the Cheesecake Factory right after you're sentenced. Or the Olive Garden. I, I know it was not a, a chain restaurant she went to, but maybe she didn't have to go to a restaurant publicly in New York. Or maybe head back to Salt Lake City where there's not a tons of paparazzi. Or something, or, or, or order into the hotel room. I don't know. Something else. Who's the PR team that was like, yeah, let's get everyone to have a party at the Italian restaurant? Insanity. Insanity. I love these women. And since I played that Jewel song, I got to take you all on a Jewel detour. So bear with me for a couple minutes, and then we'll get into Potomac. But you guys are going to die with this story. So I was listening to Jewel this week, and I had a flashback to my college days. So picture it. I'm 19, 20 years old in Northeast Ohio. I lived with my older brother, Brian, and we used to go out all the time. We had a group of friends. We'd go to the bars, go to wherever. And the one night we decided to go to this bowling alley. I think it was the Rosewood Bowling Alley in Northeast Ohio. And they used to do a karaoke night at the bowling alley in one of the separate offshoot rooms of the bowling alley. So we get a big group of friends together on a Thursday night or whatever night it was. And we decide to go bowling and it's karaoke night when we get there. So I'm underage, but I had a fake idea at the time. So I was drinking, boozing. And towards the end of the night, I get the liquid courage to go do karaoke at this bowling night. And I decide to do Bon Jovi's Dead or Alive. And the only reason I did it, I think, was probably because I saw Daughtry do it on American Idol for Paula Abdul. And I was like, ooh, I like that song. 
<laughs> and I was in the closet. So I was like, that's a masculine song I'm going to do, Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi. So half the group comes and sees me in the karaoke room doing Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi. And you guys, I'm not kidding you. I sound so fucking good. And I know I've sang on this podcast for you all before, and you've all said I sound like a a cat being run over or something. I do not sound good, okay? But this night, this particular night, I sounded incredible. So much so that for weeks after, people who were there were coming up to me and saying, oh my God, you sounded so good. I didn't know you sang. You were so good. My now sister-in-law was there too, and she... I remember coming and saying, uh, you sounded so incredible. I didn't know you could sing. And I'm now preparing myself for singer-songwriter fame, because in my head after this night, everyone is telling me how good of a singer I am. So I'm thinking, like, fame is on the horizon in the music world. Like, maybe I was going to go on American Idol or something. I was convinced that I was so fucking good at singing that I was going to become a big musician. Even so much so that I go to a yard sale that it was in the fall. I get an acoustic wooden guitar. I never took a lesson. Don't know how to play it still to this day, but I got a guitar at a yard sale. And I put it up in my room and I was thinking like, I'm a singer songwriter now. Okay. Sounded so incredible singing Bon Jovi's Dead or Alive. So then the next month rolls around and I'm thinking, I got to get everyone back to this karaoke place so that I could sing again. Now, the people want it, I'm thinking. So I try to get the group together and going to the bowling alley for the karaoke night. Meanwhile, nobody else wants to go. We went once and it was like, enough. Now everyone just wants to go to the bars. No one wants to go bowling every weekend or whatever. But I get everyone together to go to the bowling alley. And I decide going there for karaoke night, like, I'm not going to drink this time. I'm going to go completely stone sober. I'm dressing in my singer-songwriter, what I think is like my singer-songwriter costume. Like, I probably had a skinny scarf on. Like, I was real dramatic, you know. And I'd been watching American Idol, and they always say in American Idol, you got to reinterpret a song, okay? So I decide that when we get to the bowling alley, I'm going to be sober, and I'm going to perform a song that's going to be unexpected. I'm going to do a dramatic version of it, and everyone's going to be so impressed. And probably in my fantasy, I'm thinking there's going to be a record executive there at the Northeast Ohio Bowling Alley to come give me a record deal. Meanwhile, the karaoke night was run by this older woman who always smoked a cigarette, you know? (laughs) She was the one who was like welcoming people on stage. And then when no one was singing, she was just doing her own little titties up there with the cigarette in hand, you know, like sounding like Countess Luann, like singing, you know, Chic C'est la vie, you know, whatever. So we get to the bowling alley and I'm gathering everyone together. I'm like, we don't got to go to the lanes first. Like nobody get your bowling shoes. Like, let's just go sing. I'm getting one there. And you guys, I bring, this is so embarrassing. This is so cringe. I bring the guitar that I got at the yard sale because in my young brain, I had decided that I could bring it to the karaoke night because I thought, well, at karaoke, they play the music in the background. You're just singing the song. So I thought it was acceptable to pretend I was playing the guitar at a karaoke night and not actually be playing it because the music in the background would be like, it's insanity, okay? But I bring the fucking yard sale guitar to this karaoke night at the Northeast Ohio Bowling Alley. Excuse my language, but it's this calls for it. So then I get on, uh, not even a stage, I get at the, in front of the bowling alley room and all of our friends are gathered, you know, and I'm, tell the woman who's running the karaoke night, I tell her to play a song. And the song I tell her to play is a song called Hands by Jewel. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. 90s kids, you might remember this song. Real dramatic Jewel song. And so I get, the music starts playing and I got a guitar just sitting on my lap. 
I'm not playing it. I'm not even pretend strumming it. I'm simply holding an old yard sale guitar that I don't know if it was tuned, don't know how it worked, don't know how to play a note on it. I'm holding it on my lap, okay? Skinny scarf, probably around the neck, because that's what everyone was wearing when you thought you were a singer. So then I start, and I'm the, the lyrics are so dramatic, and I'm thinking I'm reinterpreting it. So I'm like, my hands are small, I know. <laughs> If you know the lyrics of this song, if you don't go listen to it and look at the lyrics, they're insane. It's like, my hands are small, I know, but they are mine, or they are my own, or whatever. It's a crazy dramatic song. And you guys, when I tell you I bombed, it was horrendous. Like, so horrendous. So much so that the woman came up after me, and she gets in the microphone, she's like, ooh, that was rough. You know, she's got the cigarette blowing the marble smoke in, in my face as I'm leaving stage. And I'm flabbergasted. I'm like, what happened? Some of the people that we were with thought I was like doing a, like a comedy routine or something. And I'm devastated in my head because it was not a comedy routine. Like I thought I was seriously going to wow the pants off everybody at this Northeast Ohio bowling alley. So then I'm thinking, okay, I must need alcohol in my system because I did Bon Jovi song and I sounded so good. Everyone was saying how good I sounded. So maybe I just need the liquid, more liquid courage in me, and I need to do Old Faithful. I need to do the Bon Jovi song. So I decide to just start going and getting shots, drinking as much as I can, and I get so sloppy. The first time that I did Bon Jovi, I had some cocktails in me, but I wasn't like sloppy drunk. And this time, I decided to get sloppy drunk because I thought that's what I needed. So then, later on in the night, I get back in front of the crowd, and I gather everyone up there again. And I'm sloppy, I'm slurring my words, and I'm like, I'm a Bon Jovi. You know, I sound like Meredith Marks after a box of Franzia. And I'm like, uh, get me a cocktail, I'm going to be singing, everyone get up here. <laughs> Listen to me sing, everybody. I'm like, pause the bowling. You know, I get everyone up there. And I don't bring the guitar, but I'm still in what I think is my singer-songwriter era with the skinny scarf in front of everybody. And then the opening chords of Bon Jovi's Dead or Alive. And once again, I bomb. I bomb. I cannot hit a single note. Because it must have been a unicorn night the other time that I sang Bon Jovi Dead or Alive and sounded so, so good. And so I realized that like I am not going to be a singer. Like That was it for me. And I remember trying to take a, a voice lesson in college, and they told me I was tone deaf. But for some reason, the first night that I did karaoke at this building, I'm like, you guys, I was to- not tone deaf. I was tone perfect. I sounded so good. And it was so devastating. But the first performance that I did where I brought a guitar on my lap in front of the bowling alley crowd and tried to sing a Jewel song without strumming my guitar. I think that's a Jewel lyric, right? She says, and I clumsily strum my guitar. I wasn't even clumsily strumming my guitar. I was simply holding it and trying to do a Jewel reimagining of a song called Hands, which is the most insane dramatic song of all time. And uh, everyone, I mean, people were booing. And then, of course, that's what everyone remembered. Because every time that I saw people after that and singing came up, they were like, oh, my God, remember how bad you were that night? Instead of the time when everyone remembered how good I was. And so I've, I haven't really listened to much Jewel since uh, until recently. And I'm in my, I mean, I suppose I'm in my Jewel era. I've been really embracing Jewel on my Spotify list. But you guys, I mean, how embarrassing. I really thought, and American Idol had us all fooled. We all thought we could be singers. We all thought we were going to be discovered by Simon Paul and Randy and sometimes Kara and maybe Ellen. We thought we were going to be discovered by them. 
And so I thought they were going to be at this Northeast Ohio bowling alley and they were going to hear me do hands or it would get back to them. I thought maybe somebody would be at the, the uh, Twinsburg, Ohio, or I don't remember, or I don't remember where it was in Ohio. Somebody would be there and they'd get in touch with Paul and be like, you got to see this kid. Or the, the woman who ran the karaoke, you know, was, you got to see this kid, you know? <laughs> and then I never played the guitar again. And I moved away and my brother just recently moved. And he had found when he was moving a lot of my old stuff from when we lived together. And he found this guitar. He's like, do you still want this? I was like, absolutely not. I'm triggered by it. (laughs) Anyway, I'm still chasing that high. So every time I sing in here, just know that what I'm doing is trying to sound as good as I did that Bon Jovi night when I sang Dead or Alive. And I know that what I really sound like is that night that I sang Hands by Jewel. Uh, Anyway, though, I had to share that story. And you guys, what... What a night. When we're in college, we're delusional. When we're young, we're delusional. Much like Jen Shaw to bring it all back around. Okay, shall we get into the Real Houses of Potomac? I mean, so much to talk about. Boy, you know you make me come back. Okay, the Real Houses of Potomac, you guys, uh, really a lot to talk about. They go to Mexico, but what I really want to focus on is Ray looking out that window. Did anyone catch this? Ray, the Grand Dame's Ray. There was a scene at the beginning of the episode where the Grand Dame's at her house, and Ray's in this bedroom, and it didn't look like their bedroom to me. It was just Ray staring out a window with a cup of coffee. His his shirt matched the bedding on the bed, and it was the strangest thing I've ever seen. It almost felt like a horror movie. I, I don't know if anyone's seen that Megan movie. I'm supposed to see it tomorrow, so I haven't seen it yet, but... Uh, it's like these killer doll movies. And you know, in these scary killer doll things where you see this footage of the dolls, they're usually in like a rocking chair and they're just sort of staring out the window. And I swear, I felt like Ray was like one of them killer dolls because he was just staring out the window all wide eyed, matching the the bed. And I just had this image in my head. I know I've joked that he's very much like a weekend at Bernie's type character where Karen, the grand dame is just sort of holding him, hoisting them up and making him film, even though he does not seemingly want to film. And I got this weird insight as he was in this bedroom looking out the window. And I just felt like he was that vibe of a killer doll. And I don't know what's going on with Ray or what he was thinking in that moment, but he was just staring off into the distance. And the grand dame comes in and she's like, hey, Ray. And I was like, has he just been in there for like a week? And then I feel like every time they start to film, that's when Ray is woken up or Karen just puts his batteries in. And then suddenly he's got to film because his eyes get all wide. But it's like he... It's something about it. It's like he doesn't want to be there. It's like that's, and it's against his will. It, it feels against his will. That's, it feels against his will. And I don't know what that means. I take it for what you want. But that's the vibe I'm getting from Ray when he's staring out the window matching the bedding. And what the fuck was that about? It felt like his shirt matched the bed. And then I thought the logistics of that was Karen like, hey, we're going to film you in the bed. It's just getting creepier and creepier. Every time I see Ray on screen, something's, a, something's afoot. Something's afoot. And I don't know what's afoot, but something's a fucking foot. Because it's not right to me. And then with that cup of coffee, who makes their cup of coffee and then goes into a bedroom to stare out the window? Usually you have your cup of coffee in the kitchen. Or if you do go back into the bedroom, maybe you're sitting in the bed reading the paper, reading the iPad, reading a book. But Ray just took the cup of coffee, went into the spare bedroom. Maybe it wasn't the spare bedroom, but I'm choosing to believe it was the spare bedroom. And then just stared out the window. It was scary. 
was fucking scary to me. And if you go back and watch it, there was something afoot. And I'm noticing it, and I hate to be the one to blow the lid off this, but I don't think Ray wants to be in there. And I feel like we need a free Ray. Jen Shaw was selling them T-shirts that said free Jen Shaw or Justice Free. I'm saying free Ray because Ray does not seem to want to be on camera. And so we're forcing him against his will to be filming in that spare bedroom matching the bedding. And I wouldn't be surprised next season, two years down the road, we're going to find out that Ray was filming against his will. And uh, maybe, uh, I, I don't want to say elder abuse, but I am implying it. I am implying it. I am implying. Don't yell at me. Don't yell at me. But something's missed. Something's afoot. Anyway, Karen and Ashley are hosting this birthday trip to Mexico. I'm a little upset that we always have to have this birthday thing because here's the thing with my trips. I want them to go on level playing field, okay? So when they're doing a cast trip to Mexico, I want it to just be like, oh, we need to get away. I don't want it to be for someone's specific birthday because then I feel like the other women, there's a hierarchy and then they have to kiss their ass or then they have to bite their tongues. And I prefer it where we're all on the same playing field and anyone could say anything. Do you get what I mean? Because when there's a birthday party, then it always, it, it, the last trip was Karen Huger's birthday party. And I felt like she kept saying, well, it's my birthday. I'm not getting involved because it's my birthday or I'm staying out of it or I can't say this to you because it's a birthday. And now we got Ashley's birthday. And I'm like, we should just get away to Mexico. And I need them to stop this because it's not a love play field. And then I also don't like how they're doing this thing now where two of the girls, three of the gals are going to the resort beforehand to pick out the rooms. Uh-uh. Nope. 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 I need them all picking out rooms together and feuding about it. What is this happening now? It's happening way too many times. I feel like it happened last. It's too many times. We need them all to arrive at the same exact moment. And I want to see some sort of game fight to the death to get them rooms. I want them arguing. I don't want them just giving it to some woman who's going to prison like they did on Salt Lake City Houses. Every time they go on a trip, they're like, Jen's going through all this legal drama. Give her the best room. She ain't going to get the best room when she's in that orange jumpsuit in prison. Leaves them right. She ain't going to do it. So let's stop giving someone the best room. Let's fight over the best room. Because that's what I want to see on The Housewives. And it's just, it, they're taking all the fun out of it. And New York women knew that. And now the New York women are on hiatus. And I feel like all these other franchises now are just going willy-nilly and trying to have civil ways of giving each other rooms. And that's not what my forefathers or my foremothers, the Real Houses of New York, fought for all those seasons uh, for just all the other franchises to just rip down everything that they have shown us on the Real Houses of New York and find some new way of doing things. And that's not what the New York women stood for. And so I will not allow this to happen. And the New York new cast that they're doing, the new whatever, and then they're also going to be filming The Legacy soon in spring, I hear. So those New York women, uh, the new women and the Legacy women, I hope they're listening. And I hope that they fight over them fucking rooms for three episodes because I'm sick of this, all these franchises. We're going to Ashley, Wendy, and Karen go to the resort. By the way, it was just a hotel. Like, what were they even... How? What do you mean they were going there to pick out the rooms early? Karen's like, we're going early to get the rooms situated. But then it was just a hotel. So like, this is all backwards, and I do not care for it. I do not care for it. Uh, but I'm glad they're on this trip, and I'm glad that Sharice is there, because Sharice wasn't invited to the other trip. She wasn't invited to Karen's improv show. And so now I'm happy that she's going to be on this trip, because she's got a lot going on with Karen Huger, Grand Dame, and Sharice. They're fighting. Uh, we're going to get into it. You guys, we got to take a quick break here and we're going to come back and talk about this whole episode. We also got, you know, Jizzy's going through some health issues. 
Lots going on. Robin and Juan, I was still pretending to get married. Let's take a break. I want to thank ACAST. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino. EverythingIconic.store is where the merch is. And also get them tickets to the live shows. Seattle, Denver, Salt Lake City. You guys are going to be fun. Uh, and we'll be right back. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. uh, So that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everything iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash everything iconic. And we're back. Okay, I want to talk about the invites to this Mexico trip. Because you did you see they showed a flashback scene of when all the gals were invited to the Mexico trip. And it was at Karen's improv event. And everyone was there, including that woman that was mistaken for a Sesame Street character, which we talked about in the last episode, Justice for the Muppets. So she was in the scene where everybody was invited. And I think Karen said to everyone in the room, or Ashley said, we're going away to Mexico. You're all invited. But what's funny to me is that the Sesame Street girl was not invited. The woman was there and she was not invited because production, of course, is always like, well, they're not, uh, we can only have the main cast go. They're not going to pay for everybody in the, who's ever mic'd up to go on the cast trip because these cast trips are expensive. They only get so many rooms. And so occasionally one of the friend ofs, they are allowed to go. Like in this case, Jacqueline's going on the Mexico trip, despite the fact that Jacqueline isn't a main cast member. She's a friend of, and the Sesame Street woman, she is not, but she was in the scene. And how awful to be sitting there with a big group of women 
And somebody says, you're all invited. And then one of the PAs has to go up to that Sesame Street woman and say, hey, by the way, like you're going to be sitting still on Sesame Street. Like you're not, you're going to be sitting on the street next to Oscar the Grouch because you're not invited on the plane. Which, by the way, the plane, I do have some things to say about the plane, which we'll get there. But anyway, the invites uh, was interesting to me. All the other, the randoms were all there, but they're not allowed to go on the trip. And so I just imagine the poor producer or whoever's working for Bravo HQ that has to send the, has to text a Sesame Street woman and say, hey, you're not going. P.S. Sorry about that. You're stick, sitting still. You're, you didn't bring enough. You got to sit still. You're not going on the cast trip. Poor gal. Anyway, anyway, before we get to Mexico, Jizzy is on the phone with Robin. She's driving home. She's getting the uterus removed, which is scary. And I, you know what really made me sad, Giselle? She said she didn't have anyone holding her hand. And I know she's got the girls. She's got her daughters. And uh, it just made me sad because the thing that's really scary, and those of you, I I remember living alone because my family's all in Ohio. And when I moved to, I lived in Chicago before Los Angeles. And when I lived in Chicago, or then when I moved out to California, when you go through a health situation and you don't have that support system of your family, it can be very scary. Or when you're dating someone new and you don't want to bring them to the hospital or have them go through that stuff. But so... Going through a health scare alone is just very emotionally taxing, and it's sad. And so my heart goes out to her, because I I know she's got the daughters. But I was sort of mad that Robin wasn't at the hospital, because Robin's finding all about it on the phone. And I was like, Jiz, you should have had Robin come to you. She could have showed up in the the hospital and held your hand, because I was sad for her. Anyway, the two of them, they shade Karen's live show, which I was like, I don't know that they should be shading the live show because I saw them inviting people up to the stage to dance at theirs. That's a tale for another time. Anyway, uh, Karen, they talk about how she invited everyone to her show except for Sharice. And Sharice apparently got pissed. And so Sharice texted the group a video of Karen's booby out when she was dancing. So we got to see this video. Sharice took it. They were out at a club or something. And Karen's bear bubby was just out. Now, here's something about me, and I might have shared this on the podcast before, but I think there's nothing funnier than just one booby being out. <laughs> like one of them, just one tit, uh, it just being out while the other one's uh, put away. Have you ever been out dancing? And we all have that friend who's one, always got the one booby out. Always got the one booby out. I have a friend, I'm not going to say her name here, but she knows who she is. And every time I've gone out with her, whether we're at a dance club or just a regular bar or restaurant, somehow one of them just pops out. It just happens. It's like one of them just comes out and she's a good time gal. She's one of my favorite Diet Coke drinkers, but she's a fun gal. And I tend to be, gravitate towards the people, the, the gals who always have the one bubby out. Those tend to be my best friends. I don't know how it happens, but those are the kind of people that I'm attracted to. So then immediately I was like, oh, that's why I love Karen Huger so much. And I know she was like maybe a little bit embarrassed or pissed that Sharice was sharing the video, but it made me like Karen Huger even more than I already did. Cause I was like, she's fun. She's having a good time. She can't be bothered with it. And she don't care that anyone's looking. Look if you want. It's one of them, a sneak preview. And so I don't like the fact that Sharice was texting it, trying to shade Karen, but I do like the fact that Karen didn't give a fuck. And it might have bugged her a little bit, but she was putting on a front that it didn't bug her. And so I appreciate that. She had the one bubby out. Good for her. Good for her. And ladies, if you're out there, ladies or gentlemen, you got the one bubby out when you're dancing. Who cares? You know, we've been through enough as a nation. So you go out with your girlfriends, you want to have a good time, you don't want to worry about both of them being in your bubby basket. You got to just have a good time, dance, and if one pops out, so be it. 
And that's why, ladies, you go out with your gay friends. You don't bother with the straights because they're the ones that are going to be ogling. The gays are going to be having a good time when one of your bubbies out. They're going to be cheering you on. And so those are the kind of people you need in your life. Not the people that are going to be filming it. If you got girlfriends that are going to be filming it and then sharing it in text threads as a mean thing, you get them out of your life. And so that's what Karen did. She cut Charisse out of the life because she should only be surrounded by people who are going to celebrate the one bubby out of the bubby basket. Do you get what I mean? So ladies, take stock of the people in your lives. And if you got someone in your life, you got a friend who's going to photo or use it as blackmail or videotape you as blackmail, you cut them out like a, a you cut them out of your life. You cut them out. Anyway, what else is going on? That was, uh, oh, they showed a picture. Did you see that picture of Karen, Giselle, and Sharice in 2014? Woo! Wow. 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 I don't know that I need to see those looks. Baby, keep it to yourself. I don't want to know. Bravo dug up that photo, and I was like, oh, my God, my eyes! <laughs> I mean, they're beautiful women. Don't get me wrong. But it was just a shocking because they look so different. Of course, they got the television glow up. God bless. But that one photo, that still image from 2014, and I was thinking, was that pre-Potomac House? Like, what year did Potomac premiere? I don't even know what year we're in these days. I'm still signing my checks 2011. So that's where I'm at. And yet, uh, they showed this image, and it was 2014. I can't remember when we premiered. Anyway, then we cut to Robin and Juan. Robin and Juan, and they're talking to the kids, and they're, this is, this whole scene, you guys, I could talk about this for 45 minutes. Pull over if you're driving, because they are talking to the two kids about this two year engagement. And you know how I feel about the engagement? You be engaged as long as you want. We're in Mexico on Potomac. I got engaged in Mexico years and years ago. Matt and I never got married, but we lived together, and I feel like we just skipped past the wedding part. But uh, the point is, I don't have a problem with a long engagement. Stay married or engaged as long as you want. If the relationship's working how it's working, I don't like this whole idea of of uh, doing whatever society wants. However, I don't like that they're pretending that they're going to get married because they haven't gotten married yet since filming. And yet here I'm watching a scene where they're talking about how they're going to get married in 30 days, which I don't believe I've seen. I haven't seen anything unless I missed some news report that Robin and Juan are suddenly married. I don't think that it's happened. So here they are lying to us as an audience and saying they're going to get married in a month. Okay, and then it's all bullshit because they had some guy come over and uh, something's afoot here. Something is afoot in this scene because they had some guy come over to measure the uh, the sons for their suits for the wedding. But why would you met? They didn't even have a wedding date in mind. They said it maybe in 40 days they want to do something. But then why would they get measured? Because especially young boys grow at a rapid rate. One on a, a Monday, the kid could be four, nine. And then on a the next Saturday, uh, suddenly they're 6'1". That's how teenage boys grow. They get growth spurts. So why would they do the, why would they do the fittings unless they had the exact date nailed down? And it's all bullshit. And I actually think that this man that came over for the fitting, I mentioned something's afoot and I think that he paid for this or something. It's all very sketch. I think he paid, you know how sometimes people want to get their businesses on the show? I think he said, Hey, Robin, I want to get the business on the show. Maybe Robin knew him or something. She's like, Oh, we'll pretend you're fitting the sons for Texas because if they never got married, they'd never end up using them suits. So what's the truth here? Why does Robin keep lying to us? And I remember Robin was on Watch What Happens Live and Andy said, like, we have a seven senior wedding. So Andy was pissed. I don't remember that clip. If you've seen it, you can probably see it on YouTube or something. I'm not sure when it happened. It was, I think, early, early in the season of Potomac. I could tell Andy, that was my take on it. I was like, oh, Andy is 
basically saying like, you're lying about this wedding and it's been seasons now and you still haven't gotten married on camera. Cause you know, Andy's thinking like, you got to get married on camera. And I think they're just dragging this out. I don't think Robin and Juan want to get married, which is fine, but stop pretending that you're going to be getting married and dragging out the storyline. And I think it's going to, speaking of a foot, it's going to bite her in the foot because I think they're going to demote her eventually. If she keeps presenting this wedding as a storyline for the season, they're going to say, well, you're, if you're never getting married, we can't just have it this dragged out forever because the audience wants closure. In real life, you can drag out an engagement. It's fine. But as a television audience, we need to see the arc of a story, and the arc's never coming to an end with Robin and Juan. And I do believe that the two of them do not care for each other in not even the slightest bit. I think their body language—I would love to hear a body language expert just analyze the two of them, because I'm not a body language, language expert. I see a dick and I like it. That's the only body language I'm an expert at. And that's, that's it. But I would like someone who studies it, the science of it, to come in and tell me, like, what's going on uh, with those two? Because I feel like something's a mess. Something's afoot. Something's afoot in the Bravo universe. Every, every In every corner. You look in every corner, there's weird shit going on. We got someone going to prison. We got some man who is in a trance in a guest room named Ray. And now we got this fake wedding thing, and I'm 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 on to them. I'm on to them. Something's amiss, and she better be careful because Bravo's not going to like it. Bravo HQ is probably already on the line with Robin's reps and saying she needs to get married on camera, or they need to break up because it's the arc of this storyline. It's not making sense to the viewing audience. Anyway, then Mia, we see this uh, Mia and Jacqueline, their relationships afoot as well, and apparently. Wait, did you guys see Mia had tweeted something? I don't mean to laugh, but Mia tweeted something like praying for Jen. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. I'm sorry to laugh. But she said, I'm praying for Jen. Like in the middle of Jen Shaw's sentencing on the Real House of Salt Lake City, Mia decided to tweet like, I'm praying. I'm good luck, girl. Or I, I don't remember what the exact wording is. You have to go look. And everyone picked it up and was like dragging her for it. Like, what the fuck are you saying? Like, you know, Joan... <laughs> They were basically, everyone is basically saying, like, Mia, baby, keep it to yourself. Baby, keep it to yourself. I don't want to know. <laughs> oh, it made me laugh. It made me laugh. Like, everybody was just dragging Mia on Twitter. <laughs> and Mia was just trying to, I think, just be say something positive. But that something positive she was trying to say was in support of a woman going to prison for six and a half years plus a five-year probational period. And so maybe it wasn't the right time as Jen was getting sentenced to say, hey, girl, thinking about you or praying for you or something. And it was so funny. Anyway, Jacqueline and Mia have this really weird relationship, which we talked about on the show. But uh, Mia is, uh, Jacqueline's sister is also Mia's nanny. And so I guess like when Jacqueline's kids need a nanny or something, Mia says, bring them over to our house and we'll watch them. But their lives are just too wrapped up into each other because also we know that Gordon gave the money for the car or something. It's like real fucked up. And I actually think money causes all the problems in relationships, whether that be in family dynamics or friend dynamics. And so I... I don't support the idea of letting people borrow money. I think you either have to give them money because then you'll just have, there's this weird cloud that hangs over. Even if people got the money, I still don't think it's good. I know that people run into issues where they desperately need money or they need help with something, but I just think you have to be careful when it comes to money specifically, because that's the number one thing that's going to cause problems in the relationship. Because look, Mia gave the money for the car. 
and she's helping out with the nanny thing. But Mia's also putting that in her back pocket, and we're seeing her use it in her confessionals against Jacqueline. So now Jacqueline and her are fighting, and Mia's using this thing of the money situation, holding it over the head. And so what's Jacqueline to do if she gets pissed at Mia, if Mia's being an asshole? Is she supposed to just let Mia be an asshole because she has to be grateful that Mia's helped her with the money or the kids or whatever? So it's real fucked up. And so I like to keep a friendship dynamic clean, and I don't think it's good to work with close friends. I know you have your work friends, but I don't think it's good to work with friends. I don't think it's good to work with family. I keep all those little places separate because I think it just causes too many problems. I think even when you see people who work together and their families and they always have problems, there's money issues because someone's making more money than them. Or, or if the, one of the family members is the boss and the other one's the employee, then it's like, oh, they're not paying enough. They're paying too much. And then the other work, it causes too many issues. And I, I don't support it. I do not support it. Anyway, there's big problems. And now they're fighting at the airport and they apparently fought on the plane. So I want to talk about the plane for a minute. Now, they, it seemed to me that Ashley, Wendy, and Karen, were they flying coach? A commercial coach? And then the, I think the other ones were in first class, but maybe I got that wrong, but it just seemed to me not very glamorous. And that's all I want to say about that. I think that all of the housewives need to be flying at least bare minimum first class. And maybe it's just due to the fact that on so many of the franchises throughout the years, we've seen people flying private that now I expect to see the housewives fly private, which I don't support everyone flying private because it's not great for the environment. And it's a lot of extra money that probably shouldn't be spent on a trip to somewhere. However, maybe that's something I need to adjust my own expectations for because I saw the women flying commercial and I was like, what is this crappy flight? And I just got sad when they were all going to the commercial airport. And I think the first group maybe was flying in coach. And I don't think any housewife should be flying in coach. And I know not all the housewives are super rich. That is something that's been debunked over the years. But I want them to be rich. I want to at least have the facade of these people being rich. And so when I see them flying commercial coach, I'm like, uh-oh makes me feel uneasy but maybe they all flow flew first flow flew first class can't the network get a deal on a private plane (laughs) they also weren't even in the i think this is actually what really did it for me was they weren't in the first class lounge so when they were at the airport i was seeing the cell phone footage of the women they weren't in a lounge and i at least want them to be in some sort of private lounge and if you're going to fly commercial which is good for the environment great but I'm going to need to see him in the lounge. Can't the network at least afford to just like rent out the lounge, like the Amex lounge or something for them so they could film in that? I mean, seeing them amongst the people, just I, something made me uneasy about it. I felt uneasy. So then let's see what else is going on. Uh, Mia and Jacqueline, they did fight on the plane and we don't know what it was about exactly, but I wish somebody would have taken out the phone to film it or give us some audio or something Ashley, on the last trip, she was kind enough to film that car ride fight. And so, unfortunately, Ashley wasn't on the plane when they had this other fight between Mia and Jacqueline. But it would behoove them all to get them cell phones ready. Get them on ready. And at this point, I wouldn't even mind if somebody just took out their voice note app on the plane when they're all together. If producers couldn't be with them on the plane... I would like someone to just set up their voice note app and hit record. 
right? Just hit, let's get some a spatial audio, whatever audio we pick up from that, we get. But at least we would get something from the plane ride. And I feel like that was a missed opportunity because then they had to get so creative. And thank God that them Bravo editors are so creative with the with their editing tricks because they were able to do this footage where they had, it was like a cartoon faces and then they had a reenactment of the fight. And so they were brilliant, brilliant. Give them a Pulitzer because it was brilliant the way that they did the reenactment. And that happens on Potomac. I feel like the other franchises doesn't always, we don't always get something so clever, but Potomac editors, they're really on top of things. And so bravo to them. Uh, but I wish we would have had some sort of some audio pickup, something. Then we have everyone in the hotel room. Now, Ashley, uh, she did bring everyone vibrators as a party gift. Baby, keep it to yourself. I don't want to know. She says, <laughs> she says, from what I understand, not everyone in the group has a vibrator. So I thought this would be a great way to introduce it. I think that's the key to world peace. Everyone just needs endorphins after a big O. Now, I wrote in my notes that Ashley, actually, after she said this, uh, was very wise. She is spot on that everyone with a vibrator gets some endorphins after some sex, and that will heal the world. And so I think we should should make Ashley the Speaker of the House. And if you've been following the C-SPAN or the news or whatever, they had all this trouble getting the Speaker of the House, all these votes, 100 times. I mean, what was that? 100 fucking votes. I felt like I was watching Bravo. Matt had the news on, and they were all fighting. It was like Friday night. They were all fighting over the votes for the Speaker of the House. And it was like, this is crazier than Bravo. I've never even seen anything like it on the Bravo network. And I once saw a woman throw her leg at a restaurant. And yet I'm watching the news, and they're all arguing on the floor about who's speaker and then also they're all doing stunts like they're fucking housewives too which that actually kind of makes me uneasy about the state of the country like i don't need my politicians you see that one woman she had the book the subtle art of not giving a fuck now it is very funny and i you know it is funny but i don't know that i need my representatives doing like fun bits as they're voting on the Speaker of the House. And I feel like that's where we're at now, which is a little uneasy. And then all of them fighting and feuding. I mean, the Republican Party was also like a mess. They were fighting on the... uh, And we don't talk politics on here, but it was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I shouldn't turn on the news and feel like I'm watching Bravo. They should be totally fucking separate. And yet, now everyone's stunting. They're all trying to do bits and stuff. I don't even see that many bits. It's like, um, remember when uh, they, on Potomac Housewives, they did the press conference. Karen Huger did the press conference. Like, that was a stunt. And I feel like that's the kind of stunts we're getting in um, government now. It's like, I don't want to see a stunt. Just run the fucking country. <laughs> like, what is going on? I'm sorry, we don't talk politics on here, but I just had to get that off my chest. Because it was, it was basically Bravo adjacent, everything they were doing. And it was all of them. Every last, all of them. Like, what's going on? Anyway, uh, what else is going on? They talk about, on the car ride to the hotel, the other women are talking about looking at their vaginas? Question mark. Uh, Anyway, Ashley did not get a bag vibrator for Sharice. So that made me think that. Did Sharice pay her own way to get on this trip? I know we talked about Sesame Street not going, but was Sharice paying her own way? Because then I thought Ashley would have had a bag if she... A, a vibrator for her. But then Karen suggested just give her a bottle of champs and she'll be happy as a clam. And I would be too. Uh, so then Wendy, Karen, and Ashley, who arrived at the hotel early, they greeted all the other women like Charlie's Angels. They were in the hotel lobby. And this actually, I would have been pissed. 
because the women arrive at the hotel and immediately, immediately have to go to a lounge for a party. Now, I know sometimes you get somewhere and the hotel room's not ready, right? We've all been there. They're saying, oh, you can't check in. And it isn't always so fucked up because you get there at like two o'clock and they're like, check-ins at five. And it's like, well, why is check-in at five? Shouldn't check-in be first thing in the morning? I don't know how, I'm not a hotelier. I don't know how they're run. I Forgive me. Uh, but it seems crazy to me that the check-in is always so late. It should be 7 a.m. so that whenever you arrive for the day, you can get into your hotel room. So I understand that this happens when you travel. Uh, but that's actually travel reform. I don't know. Maybe we need to talk to our representatives about that. Speaking of politics, maybe they should stop fighting on that floor and they should do some hotel reform where we could get check-in early because I don't want to arrive to my Hilton or my uh, Holiday Inn or whatever the fuck I'm staying and not be able to get into my room until 8 o'clock at night because the room ain't ready. And I know everyone's busy and I hate to just, I hate to be mean to the hoteliers. Is that what you call them, hoteliers? Am I making that up? (laughs) Am I making that up? I don't know. My knowledge of the hotel industry is pretty much limited to the sweet life of Zach and Cody from the early 2000s. So that's about it. Where Dunstan checks in when the monkey checked in the hotel. (laughs) That's pretty much all I know is when the guy from Seinfeld was running around that hotel with the monkey and Dunstan checks in. That's all I know about the hotel industry. However, I would like check-ins to be early. Anyway, they all have to go on Potomac to lounge for Ashley's party. Right off the fucking plane, they got to have cake. And I would have been so pissed because when you get off a plane, like, I just want to go shower. I need at least like a little unwind time, especially because when you're traveling, you're around so many people in an airplane and the airport and they were flying commercials. They're around so many people and have to go through at airports. It's exhausting. It's draining emotionally. And so I need to just be alone for a minute, even when I'm with Matt or a best friend or family member. It's like, I need to just go to the hotel room and I need to sit in a bed for at least two hours just on my phone scrolling social media where I'm not speaking to another person. I don't care if somebody else is in the room, but we will not speak for at least two hours while we scroll social media because that's me time to unwind. And so the fact that these women had to get right off the plane and then go have cake, even though they don't even like each other, Mia and Jacqueline are fighting. They talk about how, I guess Jacqueline threw a fork at Mia's head. Threw a fork at the head in 11th grade, which just kind of made me laugh. I mean, because, you know, in 11th grade, those are the funniest fights, you know, <laughs> the funniest fights. Just somebody threw a fork at somebody's head. I remember, speaking of 11th grade, this is not really a fight, but I do remember that this one kid, uh, we had a substitute in the class, and this one guy, he raised his hand. He's like, I got to the bathroom. And he was like, uh, being an asshole to the teacher. And the teacher's like, well, you can't go yet which is such a weird thing that I don't even think teachers do anymore. Do they still do that? And teachers out there, don't you, don't the kids just go to the bathrooms now? Like when I was young, though, back in my day, you had to raise your hand and get a pass to go to the bathroom, which is really fucked up because like, if you have to go to the bathroom, you just should be able to go to the bathroom. Anyway, I remember this kid was being a dick already to the teacher. So actually the teacher, I was on the side of the teacher at this point, but the kid raised his hand. He's like, I got to go to the bathroom. And she's like, no, you can't go to the fucking bathroom. He's like, well, I really got to go. And I don't think he really had to go. But just to be an asshole, he decided to go over. You know how they put the, this is so gross, you guys. I'm sorry to tell this story. But he went over to the corner of the room where they had the, the garbage can, or in the words of my seventh grade gar- uh, art teacher, garbage can. And he decided to take a piss in the garbage can. He just went in front of the whole class. And the teacher couldn't really do anything. And I remember the kid, I don't even think he got in trouble for it because he's like, oh, I raised my hand and said I had to go to the bathroom. And the teacher said I couldn't go to the bathroom. But he just took a, he took a number one in the garbage can. 
And I mean, it's so shocking. But that's the kind of attitude 11th graders have, right? Like you're just, hormones are going all over the place. You're a little asshole. I mean, I was a good 11th grader, but I know 11th graders are mostly assholes. They're mostly assholes. And so you're throwing forks willy-nilly. And so that's what Jacqueline was doing. And I wish they had cameras on them. I would have loved to see 11th grade Jacqueline and Mia throwing forks at each other in the lunchroom. I'd have loved to see it because that's what happens with 11th graders. Anyway, Jacqueline says that Mia needs more dick because she's got a lot of tension. And then Mia's like, you want to go there? You want to talk about all your dicks? You're feeling yourself too much. Keep your clothes legs, or your legs closed to married men. She quoted our dear Nene Leakes. I miss Nene Leakes. Uh, but Mia says, uh, it's what you do. You go after him. And then that sets Jack off because she's Jacqueline's like, I'm fucking done with you. She said, you sold your soul to the devil and I fought for you my entire life. I would never sleep with your husband. And then Sharice was like, well, you never said, she never said you did sleep with her husband. Like Sharice was actually getting down to the question that we all had, which is why was Jacqueline getting so mad about the married men thing? And why did she immediately go to like, I never slept with your husband? Like that was a weird leap. And so Sharice, thank God, was like, she never said you did. And it's this dynamic is nuts. This dynamic is nuts. And uh, it's just nuts. Anyway, Karen decides to take everyone to a shaman. A shaman. She decided that would be a good group exercise to cleanse themselves. <laughs> meanwhile, Karen said she just Googled it. She just Googled, like, our group is having trouble. And so she found a shaman who just met them all on the beach. She got fed. I mean, who is this man? I want some eyes and ears on this man throughout the week because I need to know what's, what's his story. Everyone's got a story. Everyone has a story. And I'm sorry to say this, but you know that he smelled. He smelled. He was a man that I could immediately tell that he smelled. And you know what I'm saying. He had random feathers all over himself. He had smoke on the beach, blowing smoke in him. Right when they get off that fucking plane, they haven't even had time to go shower or clean up in their rooms. And so they're all gross. And you're gross after you get off a plane, right? You you feel gross. You feel oily. You feel dried out. You feel all the things. It's just like you feel like a garbage can, or at least I do. And so then to have some feathered man who very clearly smelt, and I'm sorry to stereotype or to assume, but I could tell, I could smell through the TV screen. I'm sorry. I could smell his breath. He needed a mint. I could tell. He needed, somebody needed to give him a candy cane or something because that man smelled. I could feel it. You you don't always have to be somewhere. You don't think they say women's intuition or mother's intuition. I felt like I get housewife intuition. That's the thing that I feel like I have. I'm sorry to say. Sorry to brag about it, but I feel like I have housewife intuition. And my housewife intuition was saying, this man smelled and he needed a breath mint. And so the fact that these women had to put up with this, I mean, they're braver than the Marines. They had to deal with this man blowing smoke right off the plane. And the Potomac women work for them paychecks. And so I want them to get raises. I'm not sure what they're making, but they deserve raises because I don't think on Beverly Hills, Bamboozle Jane or Splits Richards or Lips Renna, they would allow this shaman on the beach to come uh, in feathers and blow smoke in their fucking faces. They wouldn't allow it. And on Potomac, they're doing it without even complaining. And so I think they need the raises and they need uh, bonuses. And I'm just grateful to them. Grateful to them. Post-plane. Uh, anyway, Jacqueline is, I think, realizing in real time that she's got no other allies. She just pissed off her friend, who's the main cast member, and Jacqueline's a friend of. So I think Jacqueline is starting to, she's crying, and Candace feels bad for Jacqueline. So she goes over and consoles her. And again, Candace is having a stellar season. Uh, but finally, the gals all get to go to the shower, to go shower before dinner. Then we see them in their rooms with the bags. 
their vibrator bags. Uh, we also see them sitting down for dinner. And Giselle was talking about some man named Steve, but I was distracted because I was looking at movie tickets. I was getting my, my Megan tickets. But apparently, uh, Ashley also talked about still liking Demon Darby. Ashley needs to cool it. By the way, did you see Ashley was like dating Luke from Summer House? And I think they stopped dating because they aren't on social media anymore. But then I just saw that other guy, Jason from Summer House or Winter House, was at a restaurant photograph with Giselle. Like, what the fuck is that about? Why are all the summer winter house? I think, here's my theory. I think the summer winter house people. So one of them starts dating Ashley. Now, allegedly, one of them is dating Giselle, or at least out to dinner with Giselle on a solo trip to dinner. But I think those winter house, summer house people, they realized they should stop hitching their wagon to Craig and Austin. And they were like, you know what? Who on Bravo should we hitch our wagon to? And they saw that the Potomac women are all stars. And they see that Giselle's a good housewife. So they decided to hitch their wagon to Potomac. They got Ashley. They got Giselle. Who's next? I mean, I'm waiting for one of them. I'm waiting for Kyle Cook to leave Amanda and start uh, having sex with uh, the Grand Dame. I mean, something's afoot over there on Summer House, Winter House. But they're realizing, let's stop hitching our wagon to Craig and Austin. The show's going to flop. What's the future of Summer House, Winter House? It's Potomac. That's what it is, Potomac. So we're going to see some other crossovers. I don't think this is the end of it. I think we're going to see Jacqueline uh, having sex with one of them other Winter House people. I, I don't know. Something's, we're going to see Chris Bassett is all of a sudden going to be hanging out at the Winter House. I mean, we're going to see some other crossovers. I feel it. I feel it. So what else is going on? Uh, then they eat at this restaurant. There are churros there. I was so distracted by them churros. They look so good. I've been trying to eat healthy this since the new year, just being a real health kick, you know? It always happens in January. You feel gross after all them holiday cookies and stuff. I'm like, I just need to start trying to eat more greens, really. And so then I'm looking at them churros on the table. I'm like, whoo. Yeah. Matt, turn on the fan. Anyway, uh, no one, uh, Karen and Cherie start fighting. And Karen says, you're the one begging to be friends with me. No one's talked about your ass in years. Uh, which she's really saying is like, you weren't part of the show. You were off the show. No one gives a shit about you uh, in terms of the Bravo audience. That's what Karen was saying to Sharice, but she couldn't say that directly. So she was like, no one's talked about your ass in years. But that's the hidden message that Karen was trying to say. And then they talk about condolences with their family members. So Karen or Sharice says, you never offered me condolences after I lost my parents. And then Karen's like, I lost my mom, and you didn't do that. And then Karen snaps because she brought up the mom. And I actually was on Karen's side again with this. I know the, what the reaction was maybe a little outsized for Karen, but I think with grief in particular, we always talk about it, it comes out in weird ways. And so even though Sharice, I don't think, was saying anything about Karen's mom. She was just saying, like, you didn't call me when my parents died or whatever. And so I understood though, like Karen, it just hearing the word mom made Karen snap. And so I get it. I get it. And she said, don't disrespect my mother. And Karen snapped. And then Giselle said it was a geriatric fight. And Giselle said, I feel like they always like to age shame Karen Huger. And I did start off this episode by possibly sort of, maybe it could be misconstrued as me age shaming Ray. And I apologize for that. But I do believe that Ray doesn't want to be on the show. And so if anything, I'm trying to justice age Ray, because I feel bad for that man. He just wants to have a nap in the spare bedroom and instead he's got to film. And so he don't have any energy to film. So he's just staring out the window. So, you know, justice for Ray again, I say, 
justice for A, because it's not appropriate that we keep making that man film. So I just want to clear up that I wasn't meaning to age shame Ray. Uh, I just meant he should not be filming. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y, dot com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. What else is going on? They uh, end on a beach continued over. We see all this footage of the oceans and the beach, and it's just real dramatic ocean footage. You know, they've been giving us a lot of these dramatic shots of flowers and oceans and rain. And they've been doing that a lot in Potomac. It's like this motif that's happening this season. And I'm, I'm a little over it, but it's dramatic. And so, you know, good, God bless. Uh, that's the end of Potomac, you guys. What a week. I'm so excited about the rest of the season. I feel invigorated. I, I did need the break, the holiday break from all of our housewives. And now I feel like ready to go into the new year. I mean, we got all this crazy stuff happening. We got cast departures. We got people going to prison. Jersey's coming back. I think uh, Vanderpump Rules is... I'm hearing that we're going to get an announcement of a trailer very soon. Orange County, I think we're getting a trailer announcement sort of soon. So I'm excited about what we got coming in 2023. Also, Miami, real quickly, I know because we don't do the full Miami recaps. And people keep saying, why don't you do them? And I I know. I know. I feel like I, I should, but then it's on Peacock. And so not everyone gets Peacock. And... Also, I get tired of taking notes, but the one thing I do want to mention is that on The Real House of Miami, there was this music video shoot, and it was so fucking funny this past week, if you've seen it. This gay man was trying to do a music video for Adriana's music video. She was uh, doing a follow-up to Feel in the Rush, which is the Miami Housewives theme song. So if you didn't know that, Adriana sings the theme song, which is why I think it's so disrespectful that she's not holding a mojito in the opening credits. She's considered a friend of on the show. And I think she should be a main cast member, if nothing else, because she sings the fucking theme song. Like, it's so rude to me. 
But anyway, I love her. I love her. And I love the cast and I love the show. It's the best show on TV. It's the show I most look forward to. I tweeted this, but it's like the thing that I most look forward to sitting down and watching is the Miami Housewives on Peacock. Anyway, uh, this music video director, he's trying to film a whole music video with the whole cast. Meanwhile, some of the cast, Larsa shows up on this boat to film the music videos. She's like, I'm not going to be in it. And then Kiki brought a whole burger in her purse. And so she's starting to fight with somebody and she's like, now I don't want to be in it. And she just pulls out a fucking burger from her bag. And I was like, what did you just have that in there? And she's like, no, I'm not going to be in it. And she just stormed off with the burger. Meanwhile, this gay man is trying to get the footage before the light goes out. You know, the sun's going down and these women are not paying any attention. Marisol's making a hundred drinks. She's got a cocky every minute. And he just, I felt bad for this man. It seemed like he had a lot going on. He had a lot to do. And it was stressful for him. And it was stressful for us as audience watching. But I hope that man got it together. I hope the music video came together. And I just say, God bless to him. God bless to him. And God bless to all of you. I love you all so much for listening. Please go get those tickets to the Everything Iconic Tour. Again, on sale Tuesday, 10 a.m. Although I shouldn't say this, but if you go to the website now, everythingiconic.com, and you click the live show link, two of the two of the shows are available. I think you can get tickets right now. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. But officially, they go on sale on Tuesday. But if you're um, looking for tickets to the Denver, Colorado show or the Salt Lake City, Utah show, those might be available now. So I'm going to be at, I think it's Comedy Works in Denver and uh, Wise Guys Comedy in Salt Lake City. And then the Seattle ones will go on sale Tuesday and they're all officially on sale Tuesday. So that's what I'm supposed to say is that officially they all go on sale Tuesday, 10 a.m. Uh, local time. So then I'll make that announcement on social media, but but confidentially. Confidentially, if you want them Denver, Colorado ones or the Salt Lake ones, I think you might be able to get them now. I shouldn't say that. Don't quote me on that. And if you, if they don't work or something, don't yell at me because officially they're on sale Tuesday. But maybe you can get those two dates now and then the Seattle ones on Tuesday. Okay. Does that make sense? I hope that made sense. I think it makes sense. Just go to everythingiconic.com. Live show link at the top of the page. I'll also put it in my Instagram bio, the link for it. But that's where you'll find those tickets on Tuesday. Or for those other two dates, you might be able to get them now. Okay, love you all so much for listening. Thank you to Acast. And uh, anything else we got to talk about? This is a long episode. You know, we're coming back from the new year. We're coming in hot. Uh, and let's do our cheese little cool down because we need it. Let's take a deep breath in. Hold it. I don't know. I always mean to. I always try to sing to you guys. It's like, oh wait, breathe out. Did I tell you to breathe out? I'm always trying to sing, and I know you guys don't want to hear me sing because I have the worst singing voice. But I wish I could sing. Let's take one more deep breath in. <laughs> Hold it. Breathe out. Okay. I love you all so much. Shall we end this with some Jewel? Let's Jewel. I miss Jewel. I've been listening to a lot of Jewel lately. Remember that song, Foolish Games? I found this live uh, live performance from the Rosie O'Donnell show on YouTube, and it's the funniest performance because it's so dramatic. And I remember listening to that song, Foolish Games, when I was a kid and thinking it was like the most brilliant song. And now I listen to it, and I'm like, these lyrics are so fucking nuts. <laughs> She's like, you're always brilliant in the morning, smoking your cigarette and talking over coffee. <laughs> the lyrics are crazy, but I, I love the song. But it's listening to it now with fresh eyes or fresh ears. I'm like, these lyrics are nuts. Anyway, I love it. Love you all. Stay safe. And... Please enjoy a little drool. Well, excuse me. Guess I'm mistaken you for somebody else. Oh, oh, oh. 
somebody more like myself. Yeah, 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 yeah.